Hello, and welcome to the final report on January 6th, a reading. I am your host, Robert Keniston. This is episode 11. In this episode, we'll begin chapter 3 and learn about the fake electors and the president of the Senate strategy. Reading this portion of the report will be Samantha Simone. So, without further ado, let's begin. Three, fake electors and the president of the Senate strategy. On the morning of January 6th, in his speech at the Ellipse, President Trump exhorted his thousands of assembled supporters to march to the U.S. Capitol, explaining that, quote, we have come to demand that Congress do the right thing and only count the electors who have been lawfully slated, lawfully slated, end quote. This was no off-the-cuff remark. It was the culmination of a carefully planned scheme many weeks in the making. This plea by the president turned the truth on its head. There was only one legitimate slate of electors from the battleground states of Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, and Trump wanted them rejected. This scheme involved lawyers such as Kenneth Cheesebro and Rudy Giuliani, as well as Mark Meadows. It was also aided at key points by chairwoman of the Republican National Committee, Ronna McDaniel, members of Congress, and Republican leaders across seven states, some of whom did not know exactly what they were being asked to do. President Trump oversaw it himself. President Trump and his allies prepared their own fake slates of Electoral College electors in seven states that President Trump lost, Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And on December 14, 2020, the date when true certified electors were meeting to cast their electoral votes for the candidate who had won the popular vote in each of those states, these fake electors also met, ostensibly casting electoral votes for President Trump, the candidate who had lost. There was no legitimate reason for Trump electors to meet, vote, and produce fake slates on December 14th in states that former Vice President Biden won. Instead, this effort was aimed directly at the president of the Senate, which, under the Constitution, is the vice president, in his role at the joint session of Congress on January 6th. President Trump and his advisors wanted Vice President Pence to disregard real Electoral College votes for former Vice President Biden in favor of these fake competing electoral slates. But there never were real competing slates of electors. By the time the fake Trump electors met on December 14th, Appropriate government officials in each of the seven states had already certified their state's official election results for former Vice President Biden. No court had issued an order reversing no court had issued an order reversing or calling into question those results, and most election-related litigation was over. And as detailed in Chapter 2, despite the illicit efforts of President Trump and his allies, no state legislature had agreed to the president's request to reverse the result of the election by appointing a different slate of electors. Given all of this, these groups of Trump backers who called themselves presidential electors were never actually electors, and the votes they purported to cast on December 14th were not valid. They were fake. They had no legal standing and their fake votes could not have been used by Vice President Pence to disregard the real votes of electors chosen by the voters. By January 6th, President Trump had been discouraged by his top lawyers from following through on this plan. The Trump campaign's senior staff attorneys had concerns, and several days before the joint session, the acting attorney general and the deputy attorney general 
blocked the sending of a letter indicating that there were, quote, competing slates, end quote, of electors, including, quote, in Georgia and several other states, end quote. But this reasoning did nothing to change President Trump's rhetoric or plan. He continued to assert that there were, quote, competing, end quote, or, quote, dual, end quote, slates of electors to create an opportunity to stay in office on January 6th. These lawyers were right. President Trump's plan was illegal. In his June 7, 2022 opinion, federal district judge David Carter wrote that this initiative to, quote, certify alternative slates of electors for President Trump, end quote, constituted a, quote, critical objective on the January 6th plan, end quote. This followed Judge Carter's earlier determination in March that, quote, the illegality of the plan was obvious, end quote, and, quote, every American, and certainly the President of the United States, knows that in a democracy, leaders are elected, not installed. With a plan this bold, President Trump knowingly tried to subvert this fundamental principle. Based on the evidence, the court finds it more likely than not that President Trump corruptly attempted to obstruct the joint session of Congress on January 6, 2021. The fake elector effort was an unlawful, unprecedented, and destructive break from the Electoral College process that our country has used to select its president for generations. It led directly to the violence that occurred on January 6th. To address the damage that it caused, it is important to understand how it transpired. 3.1. Laying the Groundwork for the Fake Elector Plan. The Cheesebro Memos. The fake elector plan emerged from a series of legal memoranda written by an outside legal advisor to the Trump campaign, Kenneth Cheesebro. Although John Eastman would have a more prominent role in advising President Trump in the days immediately before January 6th, Cheesebro, an attorney based in Boston and New York recruited to assist the Trump campaign as a volunteer legal advisor, was central to the creation of the plan. Memos by Cheesebro on November 18th, December 9th, and December 13th, as discussed below, laid the plan's foundation. Cheesebro's first memo on November 18th suggested that the Trump campaign could gain a few extra weeks for litigation to challenge Wisconsin's election results, so long as a Wisconsin slate of Republican nominees to the Electoral College met on December 14th to cast placeholder Electoral College votes on a contingent basis. This memo acknowledged that, quote, it may seem odd that the electors pledged to Trump and Pence might meet and cast their votes on December 14th, even if, at that juncture, the Trump-Pence ticket is behind in the vote count, and no certificate of election has been issued in favor of Trump and Pence, end quote. However, Cheesebro argued that if such a slate of alternative electors gathered to cast electoral votes on a contingent basis, this would preserve the Trump campaign's options. So, quote, a court decision or perhaps a state legislative determination, rendered after December 14th in favor of the Trump-Pence slate of electors should be timely, end quote. On December 9th, Cheesebro penned a second memo, which suggested another purpose for fake electoral college votes on January 6th. It stated that unauthorized Trump electors in these states could be retroactively recognized, quote, by a court, the state legislator, or Congress, end quote. Under this theory, there would be no need for a court to decide that the election had been decided in error. Instead, Congress itself could choose among dueling slates of purported electoral votes and thereby decide the presidential election, even though Article 2 of the Constitution grants that power to the Electoral College via the states. Cheesebro's contemporaneous communications made clear that the goal was having Congress act on the fake electoral votes. He emailed an organizer of the fake electors in Nevada that, 
Quote, the purpose of having the electoral votes sent in to Congress is to provide the opportunity to debate the election irregularities in Congress and to keep alive the possibility that the votes could be flipped to Trump. End quote. And a legal advisor to the Arizona GOP reportedly described being told by Cheesebro around this time that their supposed electors, quote, would just be sending in fake electoral votes to Pence so that someone in Congress can make an objection when they start counting votes and start arguing that the fake votes should be counted, end quote. Many of the states contested by the Trump team had laws that specified requirements for electors to validly cast and transmit their votes. And the December 9, 2020 memo recognized that some of these criteria would be difficult, if not impossible, for the fake electors to fulfill. As described later, most were not fulfilled. For example, Nevada state law required that the Secretary of State preside when presidential electors meet. And Nevada Secretary of State Barbara Sagafska, a Republican, had already signed a certificate ascertaining the Biden-Harris electors as the authorized winning slate. Several states also had rules requiring electors to cast their votes in the state capitol building, or rules governing the process for approving substitutes in any original proposed electors from the November ballot were unavailable. As a result, Cheesebro's December 9, 2020 memo advised the Trump campaign to abide by such rules when possible, but also recognized that these slates could be, quote, slightly problematic in Michigan, end quote, quote, somewhat dicey in Georgia and Pennsylvania, end quote, and, quote, very problematic in Nevada, end quote. On December 13th, the fake elector scheme became even clearer in an email sent by Cheesebro to Giuliani. His message was entitled, quote, Brief Notes on President of the Senate Strategy, end quote. It addressed how the fake electors meeting the next day, December 14th, could be exploited during the joint session of Congress on January 6th by the President of the Senate, a role that the Constitution grants to the Vice President of the United States. Cheesborough argued that, on January 6th, the President of the Senate could firmly take the position that he, and he alone, is charged with the constitutional responsibility not just to open the votes, but to count them, including making judgments about what to do if there are conflicting votes. Cheesebro's email suggested that the president of the Senate, which under the Constitution is the vice president, could toss out former Vice President Biden's actual electoral votes for any state where the Trump campaign organized fake electors, simply, quote, because there are two slates of votes. Of course, there were never two slates of electoral votes, so this premise itself was fundamentally wrong. But he was arguing that even if votes by fake electors were never retroactively ratified under state law, their mere submission to Congress would be enough to allow the presiding officer to disregard valid votes for former Vice President Biden. Cheesebro suggested this might result in a second term for President Trump, or at minimum, it would force a debate about purported election fraud, neither of which was a lawful, legitimate reason to organize and convene fake electors. As discussed below and in Chapter 5, John Eastman worked with Cheesebro as January 6th approached and wrote two additional memos that built upon and extended the plan to use the fake electoral votes during the joint session. 3.2. President Trump and the campaign adopt the fake elector scheme. In early December, the highest levels of the Trump campaign took note of Cheesebro's fake elector plan and began to operationalize it. On December 6th, White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows forwarded a copy of Cheesebro's November 18, 2020 memo to Trump campaign senior advisor Jason Miller, writing, quote, Let's have a discussion about this tomorrow, end quote. Miller replied that he just engaged with reporters on the subject, to which Meadows wrote, 
Quote, if you are on it, then never mind the meeting. We just need to have someone coordinating the electors for states. End quote. Miller clarified that he had only been, quote, working the PR angle, end quote, and they should still meet to which Meadows answered, quote, got it, end quote. Later that week, Miller sent Meadows a spreadsheet that the Trump campaign had compiled. It listed contact information for nearly all of the 79 GOP nominees to the Electoral College on the November ballot for Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. And on December 8th, Meadows received a text message from a former state legislator in Louisiana recommending that the proposed, quote, Trump electors from AR, MI, GA, PA, WI, NV all meet next Monday at their state capitals, call themselves to order, elect officers, and cast their votes for the president. Then they certify their votes and transmit that certificate to Washington, end quote. Meadows replied, quote, we are, end quote. Cassidy Hutchinson, a special assistant to the president and an assistant to chief of staff Mark Meadows, confirmed Meadows' significant involvement in the plan. Hutchinson told the select committee that Meadows followed the progress of the fake elector effort closely and that she, quote, remembered him frequently having calls, meetings, and outreach with individuals, and this just being a prominent topic of discussion in our office, end quote. When asked how many of his calls or meetings it came up in, she estimated, quote, dozens, end quote. The evidence indicates that by December 7th or 8th, President Trump had decided to pursue the fake elector plan and was driving it. Trump campaign associate General Counsel Joshua Finley was tasked by the campaign's general counsel, Matthew Morgan, around December 7th or 8th with exploring the feasibility of assembling unrecognized slates of Trump electors in a handful of the states that President Trump had lost. Finley told the select committee, quote, It was my understanding that the president made this decision, end quote. As recounted by Finley, Morgan conveyed that the client, President Trump, directed the campaign lawyers to, quote, look into electors in these potential litigation states, end quote. President Trump personally called RNC chairwoman Rona Romney McDaniel days before December 14th to enlist the RNC's assistance in the scheme. President Trump opened the call by introducing McDaniel to John Eastman, who described, quote, the importance of the RNC helping the campaign to gather these contingent electors in case any of the legal challenges that were ongoing changed the results in any of the states, end quote. According to McDaniel, she called President Trump back soon after the call ended, letting him know that she agreed to his request and that some RNC staffers were already assisting. On December 13th and 14th, President Trump worked with Rudolph Giuliani on the plan's implementation. On the 13th, Miller texted some of his colleagues to check in about the fake elector meetings scheduled for the following day. He let them know that Giuliani told him, quote, POTUS was aware, end quote, that they would be filing litigation in four states just quote, to keep the effort going, end quote, which the select committee believes was to create a pretext to claim that it is still possible for the fake electors to be authorized retroactively. In subsequent litigation, a federal district court found that President Trump, quote, filed certain lawsuits not to obtain legal relief, but to disrupt or delay the January 6th congressional proceedings through the courts, end quote. The next day, Miller sent an email asking whether they were going to issue a press release about electors, and he was told the, quote, mayor is going to discuss with POTUS, end quote. 3.3. The campaign legal team bows out and Giuliani steps in. Not everyone on the campaign was eager to pursue the fake elector plan. 
On December 11th, the U.S. Supreme Court rejected a high-profile lawsuit filed by the state of Texas challenging the election results in Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin. After that decision, the Trump campaign's senior legal staffers said that they reduced their involvement in the fake elector effort, apparently because there was no longer a feasible scenario in which a court would determine that President Trump actually won any of the states he contested. Justin Clark, who oversaw the Trump campaign's general counsel's office, said that he basically conveyed, quote, I'm out, end quote, and encouraged his colleagues on the legal team to do the same. Finley told the select committee that, quote, we backed out of this thing, end quote, and Morgan, his boss, said he had Finley pass off responsibility for the electors as, quote, my way of taking that responsibility to zero, end quote. Clark told the select committee that, quote, it never sat right with me that there was no contingency whereby these votes would count, end quote. Quote, I had real problems with the process, end quote, Clark said, because, quote, it morphed into something I didn't agree with, end quote. In his view, the fake electors were, quote, not necessarily duly nominated electors, end quote. Despite being presented as such, he said he believed he warned his colleagues that, quote, unless we have litigation pending like in these states, like I don't think it is appropriate or, you know, it isn't the right thing to do, end quote. Morgan told the select committee that he saw no value in pushing slates of purported electors if they were not authorized by a state government's certificate of assertion. He put it, quote, my view was as long as you didn't have a certificate of assertion, then the electors were, for lack of a better way of saying it, no good or not, not valid, end quote. Finley confirmed that Morgan told him after the Supreme Court ruling on December 11th that, quote, there's not really anything left for us to do on this project, end quote, and that, quote, it doesn't seem like a good idea for us to be involved in it, end quote. Campaign lawyers were not the only ones who doubted the legality of the fake elector plan. The office of the White House counsel appears to have expressed concerns about it as well. In his testimony to the select committee, White House counsel Pat Cipollone acknowledged his view that by mid-December the elector process was, quote, done, end quote. Cipollone told the select committee that the White House counsel's office, quote, probably, end quote, had discussions about the elector's plans and that his deputy, Pat Philbin, would have been involved in evaluating the elector's issues. In an informal committee interview, Philbin described the fake elector scheme as one of the, quote, bad theories, end quote, that were like, quote, whack-a-mole, end quote, in the White House during this period. Mr. Cipollone agreed with this characterization. In her testimony, Cassidy Hutchinson testified that she heard at least one member of the White House counsel's office say that the plan was not legal. Committee staff, to be clear, did you hear the White House counsel's office say that this plan to have alternative electors meet and cast votes for Donald Trump in states that he lost was not legally sound? Hutchinson, yes, sir. She also recalled a meeting that took place in or before mid-December, during which this view was relayed to Giuliani and members of his team by lawyers in the White House counsel's office. By December 11th, Finley emailed his main points of contact in six battleground states to say, quote, thank you for your work on this presidential elector project, end quote. And in order to pass off his responsibilities, let them know that, quote, Rudy's team has designated Kenneth Cheesebro as the point person for the legal documents, end quote, going forward. While the campaign's core legal team stepped back from the fake elector effort on December 11th, it nonetheless went forward because, quote, Rudy was in charge of it, end quote. And, quote, this is what he wanted to do, end quote, according to Finley. When Finley was asked if this decision to let the effort proceed under Giuliani's direction, quote, was coming from your client, the president, end quote, Finley responded, quote, yes, I believe so. 
I mean, he made it clear that Rudy was in charge of this and that Rudy was executing what he wanted, end quote. Finley also recalled being told that Cheeseboro's Elector memos had been, quote, the justification for why Rudy and Ken were going to keep going forward with this stuff, end quote. He explained that Giuliani, quote, really bought into Ken's theory on this, end quote, and that the two of them, quote, were kind of the main ones driving this, end quote, from that point forward. Clark told the select committee that, quote, my understanding of who was driving this process was Mayor Giuliani and his team, end quote. On December 10th, when Kenneth Cheeseboro emailed one of the state party officials involved in organizing the fake elector effort in Nevada, he reported that, quote, I spoke this evening with Mayor Giuliani, who is focused on doing everything possible to ensure that that all the Trump-Pence elector votes on December 14th. In the days that followed this handoff, Cheeseboro would draft and distribute documents intended for use in the Trump team's fake elector ceremonies that were then shared with key contacts in Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, New Mexico, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. He also gave some of the group's step-by-step logistical guidance, such as when and where they should convene, how many copies each person would need to sign, and to send their fake votes to Congress via registered mail. Quote, pretty simple, end quote, he commented in some of those emails. A campaign operative named Michael Roman was also tapped for a major operational role in the fake elector effort. When Finley sent his email handing off certain responsibilities for the initiative, he also wrote that Giuliani's team had designated Roman, quote, as the lead for executing the voting on Monday, end quote, December 14th. Roman was the Trump campaign's director of Election Day operations, with team members who specialized in political outreach and mobilization in battleground states, where the Trump team now urgently needed the fake electors to meet on December 14th. With help from his EDO staff, as well as Giuliani's team and RNC staffers working alongside the campaign as part of the Trump Victory Committee, Roman ran an improvised, quote, electors whip operation, end quote. For example, Roman sent an email on December 12th directing an aide to create quote, a tracker for the electors, end quote, with tabs for Arizona, Georgia, Michigan, Nevada, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin, listing contact information, whether they had been contacted, whether they agreed to attend on December 14th, and names of, quote, substitute electors, end quote, to replace any reticent or unavailable participants as needed. Roman referred to others on this email as the, quote, whip team, end quote, and directed them to fill out the spreadsheet to update him on, quote, what you have and what you need, end quote and to plan on a call that evening. In the days that followed, this group focused on tracking what Republicans previously named as President Trump's nominees to the Electoral College would be willing to show up for fake elector ceremonies, finding adequate substitutes for those who refused to attend, and actually coordinating the unrecognized elector signing ceremonies in seven states on December 14th. In all seven states, these efforts to mobilize fake electors benefited from support from the RNC, as well as state Republican parties. However, it was the Trump team who drove the process from start to finish. As one of the fake electors and later co-chair of the Michigan Republican Party, Michon Maddock, told an audience in January 2022, quote, We fought to seat the electors. The Trump campaign asked us to do that. End quote. This podcast has been a production of 2008 Studios under a contract with SAG-AFTRA. Casting support services has been provided by Breakdown Services. The recordings herein are property of 2008 LLC. Any inquiries to collaborate or contact can be sent to info at 2008.com. That's info at 20-08.com. If you enjoyed what you just heard, 
please feel free to share this podcast. And of course, please subscribe to be updated on future episodes. Thank you for listening.